0: Hey, Real Talkers. By now, you've probably heard our one-on-one interview, the exclusive with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Turns out everybody's paying attention to it. Not sure if you saw, but InfoWars host Alex Jones just tweeted about it. You know you've made it. When? I guess. Anyway, beta cock, libtard, groomer, enemy of the state, just a handful of the wonderful comments we've received after that sit down with the PM. In this episode of the show, we'll recap some of that best feedback, the stuff that really rises to the top, and then I'll sit down with Dr. Fiosnagovsky, who tells me what he would do Differently in that Trudeau interview. We get into Premier Danielle Smith's televised address ahead of Alberta's provincial budget. Plus, FIO takes us into new polling on the UCP's plan for pronouns and puberty blockers.
1: This is a Relay Project.
2: Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan
1: Jesperson.
0: The dust has settled The seven black SUVs have Pulled away from the Front of Mercer Warehouse here in the historic Hundred and Fourth Street District of downtown Edmonton, where the Prime Minister of Canada set up shop in the relay studio for thirty-five minutes yesterday. An exclusive right here on Real Talk. We thank those of you who tuned in and checked it out. We thank the tens of thousands of you that have watched it online or downloaded the podcast. Uh, an opportunity to sit down with a sitting Prime Minister and ask him about his plans. What is he going to do about polling? That's a record low. He's never seen. The Prime Minister has never ever seen polling uh, personal when it comes to his approval among Canadians, uh, as well as his party, uh, as low as it is right now. And we got into that with the PM right out of the gates. I, I heard from a couple of uh, strategists, Johnny, that wrote in, uh, one in particular, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. You know Chris Henderson from Y Station. Yeah. Uh, Chris has been on the show before many times, and and uh, he's part of a really talented team over in at Y Station. Um, and uh, he said uh, it was a solid interview with Trudeau. Um, he says, uh, and I don't think Chris will mind me reading this uh he says if anybody calls you a progressive cock or a slobby hand job giver uh to insert politician here i'll point them to the first five or maybe 15 minutes of that interview where you kept pinning that dude down yeah um i said well yeah i said well it was important for us to open uh with a big question i said so you me invoking the word bloodbath talking about what <laughs> prognosticators were predicting the next election in the first question to the prime minister I said it was intentional that we invoke the word bloodbath and he said you know even in pro ball he said you asked a fair question but even in pro ball you usually get at least one warm-up pitch I said there's no warm-ups here on <laughs> Real Talk and so there you go but but we are hearing from <clears throat> those of you and, and many of you maybe new audience members we welcome our new subscribers obviously all of our social media platforms saw a big bump yesterday we appreciate it uh some of of you did pop by to call me a beta cock uh, and let me know how much uh, you thought of of my licking trudeau's boots and obviously accepting money from the federal government real talk on the take obviously only reading from an accepted and pre-approved list of questions you know how it goes but if you actually did listen to the interview you got some insights from a guy that some are describing as a prime minister with nothing to lose uh, and Trudeau came across uh, in, in pretty interesting fashion. And, and I'm going to be looking in on our live chat today to get people's responses to it. It was kind of, you know, after the interview yesterday itself, we did we did a bit of a recap. We, we got into what mm-hmm. people were saying. It was as it was landing. Uh, but I always find value in going back and listening to an interview again after we've done it and and studying his body language and seeing how he answers or doesn't answer questions. We got a very direct answer. Is it possible to have a direct answer in a roundabout way? That is what he gave us. We'll play the clip when we asked him Mm -hmm. if he is 100% uh, convinced that it's him. That needs to lead the liber- liberals into the next election. Uh, he basically told us, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 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 a few more words than that, he described uh, or told us sort of where his head's at and why he's planning on going up against Pierre Poilievre next federal election. The prime minister does not intend on stepping down. You heard that first on Real Talk yesterday, and obviously it made an impression across the country. Uh, the interview is being shared by, by some of our loudest critics in ca- independent Canadian media, which is is obviously for the most part a good thing because more and more people are discovering real talk. But we're curious to know for you regulars, for those of you that are part of this audience week in and week out, how did it land? In just a minute, we're going to check in with a political scientist, Dr. Fio Snagovski, who's booked on the show for quite some time. He's going to be here with us today anyway. We're going to get into some interesting polling, uh, Alberta politics polling. Uh, that Fio and his team, uh, the political scientists at the University of Alberta, have just released. But we thought maybe we'd ask him how the Trudeau interview landed with him as well. And oh, yeah, by the way, Alberta's premier, the premier of our home province, taken to the airwaves last night in somewhat of an unusual circumstance. It doesn't typically happen more than once a year. uh, When a premier addresses their audience, addresses Albertans, Danielle Smith basically saying, brace yourselves for this budget coming up. She, She didn't sort of wave red flags and talk about a bunch of cuts coming, but she did smoothly deflect or delay the income tax cuts that she promised to folks, and she made a commitment uh, to top up that Heritage Savings Trust Fund. As a matter of fact, to, to get those numbers up tenfold of where it is right now, invoking the example of Norway again. Uh, when you talk to different folks, you get different opinions on whether or not that's a flawed example, Norway a nation, Alberta not so much, but still the promise from Danielle Smith is that they're hoping over the next couple of decades to get Alberta's Savings account that Heritage Savings Trust Fund. Bless uh, you know the the politicians who put it there for us back in the day, uh, Premier Laheed and crew. Uh, but the commitment hasn't been there to keep it where it was supposed to be. So it's sitting there at about twenty five billion dollars right now. Don't view it as a slush fund. Caution politicians. Uh, but Smith says it should be a quarter trillion, and that's where she intends to get it. So we'll get into that today as well. We'll get into some of your emails, and of course, that unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll that we had out yesterday asking which federal political leader you'd like to have a beer with. It was it was a roller coaster ride watching that poll catch on back through the forth, day. We'll, we'll get to the results in just a sec. Uh, Justin Trudeau had the lead early on. Pierre Poilievre surged out front, and by the time that poll was done. Well, you're just going to have to wait to see the results, but interesting to see nearly 27,000 people cast their ballots on the Real Talk Twitter poll. Which politician would you like to have a beer with? That in just a second. First, I'm speaking to those of you that right now are dreaming of a rewarding and high-paying career, but there's just one problem. And every time you hear us mention post-secondary institutions or universities, you go, damn it, I don't have that university degree. You don't need one to get started as an insurance professional with Business Career College. You know, in Canada, insurance agents are starting at, you know, around 60 grand a year. You can be making up to 90,000 annually within your first couple of years, and all you need to do to get there is take an approved course and pass your licensing exam. A Business Career College offers industry-leading approved courses in life insurance, property and casualty insurance, plus they've got expert instructors that are passionate about helping you launch that new career. Right now, there's even better news because you heard about this on Real Talk. You're going to save 15% off any BCC insurance course, anyone with the code Real Talk. That's all one word, Real Talk, when you get started today at businesscareercollege.com. We talked to Justin Trudeau about the oil sands. We talked to him about innovation. We asked him about his environment minister, Stephen Gilboa, who seems to be sort of prompting new headaches for the Prime Minister and for the Liberal Party every single week a short time ago he was on the record sure talking about a jurisdiction in Quebec but still saying he doesn't believe we need any more new roads and so of course everybody's lighting their hair on fire especially those that are buying into the war on cars. Uh, Justin Trudeau clarified for us in our exclusive with him how he feels about funding infrastructure development across the country he invoked the ring road down in Calgary, he invoked the Anthony Henday, talked about widening the Yellowhead in Edmonton and provided other examples of how they're dumping billions of dollars into roads but i was particularly interested and johnny maybe we queue up the uh the clip here of him talking about the oil sands. you were waiting for that moment you were waiting for that moment where he was going to pull the pin and lob a hand grenade metaphorically of course at the alberta legislature and he did it taking a big swipe at oil companies too in case you missed it here it is
3: governments should get out of the way of albertans Actually, innovating and creating that better future. Albertans are getting fooled by right wing
0: politicians. They're going to say, Did Justin Trudeau just tell us that government ideology needs to get out of the way of innovation in the oil sands? I know that, that yes. they're going to tear their hair yes, out because absolutely. they feel that it's you. It's, they don't feel like you've had the industry's back. They don't feel like you've had Alberta's back. I the don't radar. think the
3: oil industry has had the back of the oil sands workers by dragging its heels on decarbonization. Those who are crossing their hands and saying, you know what, the world's still gonna need oil for another decade or so, another few decades. It's still gonna need every drop that we can produce. So why would we raise our costs right now and invest in innovation when we can just do the th- same things we've been doing for decades? That is what is hurting oil sands workers. And they've been they've been fooled.
0: Prompts Alberta's premier to tweet out uh she says Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke with Alberta Media and he sat down with one of them, Premier. Hey, that's Uh, us. Hey, that's us. Uh, She says during which he managed to call Albertans fools. Of course, he didn't do that. Uh, Said claims the carbon tax was saving Alberta families thousands of dollars. He did do that. Uh, and condemned anybody supportive of parental involvement in their child's education. That must have been at a news conference after, because we mm. actually didn't get into that with him. Uh, she said, we know that Albertans don't take his absurd claims seriously, but it's sad to see this prime minister, like his father before him, try to use Alberta as a punching bag to win votes in other parts of the country. Now, you know that that's going to be the tone that Alberta's premier is going to take here. I think that maybe she was a little bit miffed that one of her ministers, or she was not invited uh, to meet with The prime minister to take that meeting, you know, depending on who you talk to, rumors are out there that the premier's office was aware he was coming, but they didn't set up the meeting. I don't think we need to get into the nitty gritty there. We know that these two don't love each other. Right. But no provincial housing minister, no provincial minister, period, at that big housing announcement with federal minister Boisno, He's the jobs minister, Edmonton's mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, of course, the former infrastructure minister and the PM. By the way heard that housing announcement was supposed to happen like back in the fall so the city of Edmonton had been waiting on this one for a long time. We talked to the Prime Minister about how he thought that would land and and about his relationship with Danielle Smith and obviously you can tell that uh how do we put it Johnny there's work to be done there on both sides. <laughs>
2: I said this yesterday, though, he did reach out the hand and, and, you know, said Alberta and the country needs to come together. He didn't mention Smith specifically, though, but I think that's what he was alluding to. But I think so. I, I think it's, I think it's funny, too, that he, he didn't go meet with her. I mean, if you're in the province, you probably should. You but think that, that's just so there's still a little there's still at odds. Yeah. You
0: know, right. So, yeah. And, and he, he basically yeah, it was interesting how he how he assessed Alberta. Um, He kind of took a big shot at himself out of the gates. I I liked his comment about in 2015 how he was supposedly elected just because he had great hair. (laughs) But he started running <laughs> through his record. Hair. I'll give him that. and I got the impression I'm not here to carry water for the prime minister. <laughs> that I think there's a lot to be desired there. you know, listen to the interview for yourself. Obviously, we didn't ignore the fact uh, that he's in tough right now. Like the, the polling is not friendly. And he says, I don't pay attention to polls. Of course, he's going to say that when your party's down 20 points to the conservatives. Of course, you're going to say you don't pay attention to the polls. But still, you got the impression. Like I gotta say, I'm an energy person. I notice when somebody walks into a room and brings a lot of energy in with them. I mm-hmm. notice when somebody alters the dynamic of the space that they're in, and it's safe to say that that's what Justin Trudeau accomplished yesterday. And I think a lot of people. I heard from a ton of critics. Like I, you know, I'm going to be careful here, reading my, you know, my personal texts and my DMs because these are people sending me these notes, kind of w- without the uh, the agreement that they'll be read to a. You know, to a big audience here, but but here's a here's a prominent university executive in Alberta, uh, a PhD in political science, by the way, who says I wanted to send a message, congratulating. Real talk says I remember when you guys started that show, and to see what you've built so quickly, culminating with the fucking prime minister, a sitting prime minister in your studio, is nothing short of amazing. Mm. Uh, says I couldn't be happier for your success. I happen to know this person is an is a, is a pretty ardent conservative, <laughs> you know. So there's there were a lot of people that wrote in just to say like you know it, it was it was cool to hear from Quick Dick mcdick our buddy in saskatchewan obviously as you know obviously has a real audience in saskatchewan uh makes no bones about how he feels politically he can't stand the prime minister uh he wrote in and said you know regardless of my views on the pm i just want to say to real talk congrats on getting him in the studio and I wanted to read you this part. He says, you asked some great questions and Johnny killed it on the production side. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Quick Dick said most of his answers were bullshit, but that's what I expected. Keep killing it. That from Quick Dick McDick. So, yeah, so but, I appreciate what, people checking it out.
2: I don't understand the bullshit comments because out of out of all the interviews I've seen him over, over the last 12 months, I think ours was, was the realist. I think he got the most passionate. I think... You know, people expected him to be umming and ahhing like he usually does when he gives a press conference. Yeah. He didn't do that. He was very direct. He he started, like you said, pounding on the table. And uh, I got a lot of texts just like you did from people who were like, man, I do not like the prime minister. But that was one of the best sitting interviews I've seen with him in a long time where I actually they didn't want to say agreed with him. But they they got where he was coming from on on some of his points, which yeah. I don't think comes through when he's reading off a piece of paper. Like he does normally, or goes to these events like he did after the show today. Yeah, uh, Noob, try again. I love his comment here. Said first question out the gate set the tone well. Everyone's going to complain that a question wasn't asked. You'd need four hours. We did. We would need hours yeah, to I mean, get there, through everything yesterday. Yeah, right?
0: yeah there, there were there were people that were choked that I didn't ask him about the the arrive can app and and stuff like that. And and obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, even with thirty five minutes, uh, we were supposed to have t- we were supposed to have ten minutes. Um, I kind of like jostled back and forth with his team and they were going minute by minute. They go, okay, you can have 12. I said 15. They're like 13. I mean, to take you behind the scenes of what it takes to get an interview like this done, if you follow us on on Instagram, you saw the bomb dogs that were through here. You know, six visits from an advanced team, an RCMP. I mean, it's no joke. Like, you know, somebody said, what would have happened if, if a bunch of protesters showed up at Mercer Warehouse yesterday? I'm kind of surprised nobody did, to be honest. Mm. But I mean, the short answer is they would have been met with about 30 personnel. The guy <laughs> rolls, especially, I think, in Alberta, especially in Alberta, mm-hmm. with a continuous that's ready for anything. Mm-hmm and uh, you know so he so he brings that attention to it but yeah no it was just it was interesting to, and, and, and I'll get to some more comments on this in just a bit not everybody thought it was great sure um, you know I mean Lepender wrote in uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com the, the subject line why did you give a platform to somebody who obviously hates Canada uh, they wrote in to say you know to, to he who has become an international figure of disdain in Canada's name I don't know is that me or Trudeau uh, why did you let the prime minister spread fake news why didn't you challenge him on the pipeline purchase what do you mean challenge him he bought it he's selling it what do you want me To challenge him on Mm -hmm. or any of his other follies are you a journalist or not well short answer i'm a talk show host and an entertainer was this your attempt to act like tucker carlson with vladimir putin (laughs) Uh, do you realize how much canadians hate to be told by trudeau what he thinks they think fair point Mm -hmm. we're tired of being told what he thinks we are and how he should manage us due to his own securities Regarding outside influences, we asked him about Donald Trump, Joe Biden, obviously. I thought he was kind of wishy-washy on Trump. He's like, we'll work with whoever. I was like, come on. Uh, Lepender goes on to say his lack of faith in Canadians is appalling, and so are your softball questions. I think he showed a lot of faith in Canadians. He was sort of, I think, trying to inspire people on in the future of Canadian energy, how he sees it going in Alberta. And this person says, Lepender, you will not be remembered for this interview because you did not hold his feet to the fire as Canadians needed you to do for shame in failing to uphold your democratic responsibilities hmm. so not everybody thinks i did a great job uh, <laughs> and i hope i'll be remembered for being a fabulous father to two strapping and beautiful young boys well that's most important not i also for want any to interviews.
2: also want to give a shout out to all the media outlets big and small who stole our intellectual property yesterday <laughs> branded it with their own logo reposted it on social media didn't give us credit and, and I'm talking about, I won't say their, say their names because we're not going to give them anymore.
0: But we we
2: people we, who literally hate us, literally can't stand us, create yeah. content about how much they hate us and then share our content and crowdfund yeah, it. We've and already, spent, money too, we've already it. spent
0: too much time talking about them <laughs> from our from our uh, Real Talk Twitter account. I called him Greasy Bastards. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say about them. Uh, I appreciated this from Anne, who listened in from Vancouver um who said uh you know i said i'm I'm gonna go back and and listen to this interview a second time she said but but honestly watching from vancouver uh real talk clearly has the best audience of any talk show in canada uh she said clear-eyed informed interview super refreshing um she says you know went on to say i I was rolling my eyes a little bit when trudeau started talking about trans mountain um she said but i appreciated him saying that he took it in the teeth when he bought the pipeline she says because he did Uh, She says, because I I swear hydrogen fuel is going to be the Betamax of the 2020s, but then you flipped it around and ran with it. Holy cow, says Ann. That was the best part of the whole interview. Tell it like it is. She says, I'm into Justin Trudeau when everybody hates him and he's got nothing to lose. I think it's liberated him and it's clarified him. And she says, and I'm strangely impressed. Question, question, question. Uh, She says, you know, I was wondering last week what Justin Trudeau might look like when he's got so little to lose and Real Talk showed us and says he didn't come across as a pretentious or as much of a a smug knob as he sometimes does so that's good. Mm -hmm. She said, and how about the socks? (laughs) We were able to present the Prime Minister with a pair of Real Talk socks that only our patrons get, our Patreon supporters. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool to put those in his hand.
2: It was awesome and I told you this yesterday like it's hard to not feel enamored when a leader of a country comes in but like you started this whole conversation off he was a lot more free wheel he was just like really chill when he walked in here i, I thought he was going to get rushed to the seat Maybe say a couple words and let's go and get out of here. Yeah, he took pictures, he shook hands, he stood around for a bit, and maybe that is, like you said, maybe he does have nothing to lose. Maybe he's enjoying the last little bit of this. Who knows? Yeah,
0: yeah, who knows? Um, uh, Doctor Fio Snagovsky is an assistant professor of poli sci at the University of Alberta and and has been a great friend of this show. And Fio, we're going to get to some of this. Like, we want you to come in. We said, why don't you just come in and like hang out with us and shoot the shit off the top? Um, We'll get into the Trudeau interview. We'll talk about the Danielle Smith video. Then we'll get to what you're here to talk about officially. Which is some interesting new polling uh, showing where Albertans are at with with trans policies and and, and some of the announcements that Alberta's premier has made over the last while. You did have a chance to check out the Trudeau interview yesterday right here on Real Talk. What did you think about it? General thoughts. What was maybe the one main takeaway? I thought it was pretty good. Oh, here. uh, Sorry, that's my fault. Click that white button there on your blue box. Mike's hot now, buddy.
1: I thought it was pretty good, you know. I thought he did. I mean, you did a good job. Of,
0: don't you? Don't don't say after. Don't have to say that.
1: Oh, don't worry. I'm gonna get to the bad stuff okay, in, good. in just a okay, second. Good. This is just the warm up, you know. You <laughs> yeah, know I, yeah. Don't be too nice. Yeah. No, don't don't don't. No know, one will believe it. Exactly right. No, um, yeah, I think you thought you did pretty good. I mean, anyone anyone who watched the video knows that the first thing you did was like, "Hey, you are super unpopular. Nobody likes you. Welcome to Alberta." Yeah. What do you think? You know, that that's not exactly a softball question, and. You know, you, you keep saying that he has nothing to lose. And I'm I'm not sure that's true. He's got a lot to lose. He's know? got government like, to lose. He's got government to lose. He's you know creature of the Liberal Party. You know, liberals got a lot to lose. And, you know, when you lose an election, like when you when voters actually kick you out, it's pretty different than when you leave on your own. So he's got a legacy. He's actually got quite a lot to lose, I think. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh,
0: I, I think I know the spirit of Ann's comment out of Vancouver yeah. when she wrote in to say that. Just you know, I guess when it when it looks like you know, it's it's like when a gosh, me and the sports metaphors, but it's like when a hockey team's down seven yeah. one, you're like shake up the lines, try anything, start a fight, do what you can do. Uh, but but sometimes it works and lights a fire under them. Jill wrote in, by the way, uh, Jill's and and honestly appreciate keep the emails coming. We got tons of them. The flamethrower goes tomorrow, uh, presented by the DQs of Northwest Edmonton. If you got something you really want to say with a little find it about that interview, but I'll get to as many comments as I can today. Obviously, hundreds of comments on our YouTube and our social media channels. Uh, some of the comments, some of the replies I had to stop reading because I was just like, wow, an absolute trash fire, but it's great for the algorithm if we're going to be cynical and honest. Uh, Jill says thanks uh, to the Real Talk team for the, for the interview with the Prime Minister. Truly appreciate the opportunity to hear an intelligent discussion about many hot-button issues of the day, particularly those affecting Alberta. Jill says, I have to say I was impressed with the Prime Minister's clear articulation of his thoughts and ideas on policies and the excellent questions that were asked. The passion, she says, though, that he clearly exhibited uh, a job well done, that from Jill. He did He did come across as like giving a rip, hey? I mean, I, I know that that can be performative, but I don't know. Whether you support Trudeau or not, you can't deny he brought it to the table yesterday.
1: No, he was really compelling. I mean, way more compelling than, you know, just at a press conference. And I think any fair reading of that, it sort of reminds me of when the Freedom Convoy hearings were going on in Ottawa, and a lot of people were writing similar stuff about how on the stand, you know, in front of those hearings, he was really candid, really compelling. I think it's too bad we don't see that guy very often because I think it would go a long way, especially now, to helping him out.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it, it was. Um, yeah, we 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 read an email. I'm trying to off the top of my head remember who it's from. I apologize. I can't remember. But but I read this Real Talkers email to Trudeau yesterday who basically said the passion um you know that he showed when he said he was pissed off on the record when he said he was pissed off at bell media and talked about basically how they've betrayed canadians and they're dismantling journalism you remember that news conference and um and this real talker wrote in to say prime minister you got to muster more of that we got a lot of emails i think it was sylvia that wrote into the show saying like why is everybody just sitting on their hands and letting pierre Poliev run the show with the media like wh- when is the prime minister going to start clapping back when's he going to start fighting back i don't know if it's off brand for trudeau or not Um, you know, I read an email yesterday on the show from someone who said, don't give me that Michelle Obama line. You know, when they go low, we go high. They said, it's not time for that. It's time to fight right now. Uh, Can you see the dynamic changing uh, in the federal landscape as the liberals get a little bit more serious inching toward what's expected to be an election in 2025?
1: I think so. I mean, it probably is a little bit off brand for him so far, but that's not a bad thing, you know. I'm not a political strategist, but if I if I was pretending to be one for the next twenty seconds, I would say that the brand hasn't been working. You know. Uh. Maybe it's got them as far as it can go. And maybe changing it up now would be a useful thing for tossing it up with someone like Pierre Polyev, who doesn't exactly play by the rules of conventional politics, you know, way more media savvy than the average bear, not really interested in sort of like standing up in a suit and tie and engaging in formal debate, you know. It doesn't
0: feel like that's how elections are going right now. No. Not to say that's not important or valuable. It just doesn't feel like that's how politicians are scoring points these days.
1: No, and I think Pierre Polyev has tapped into something really interesting, because there are times when people are feeling like a good cerebral debate on the merits of a policy, but this doesn't seem like that time. You know, he has tapped into the fact that people right now want to get into it on emotions. They have a lot of feelings, you know, as a a parent of young kids with I'm I'm not one, but as a parent would say, you know, a lot of big feelings people are having. Yeah. And I think if 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 the liberals keep engaging him on the policy, when people are really interested in feelings, they're going to get clobbered, you know, they're not they're not going to do well.
0: Yeah, why don't we, Johnny? Can you load up the other Trudeau clip that we pulled? This is this is so this is my answer to, or his answer to me rather, uh, when I ask him about you know whether or not he's he's convinced it's got to be him that leads the party into the next election. Obviously, a lot of people think that you know when the party's polling so low and and his personal approval is is down you know thirty three you know it's it's like a it's like an Edmonton cold snap it's like thirty three below zero. You never want to see a negative thirty three on your on your approval when it comes to how the public sees you right now. But that stuff it can be salvaged, uh, methodically and slowly but but sometimes it's a bit too much of a hill to climb and so it it brings the critics out that say well the obvious solution here for the liberals is a change in leadership change the tone Uh, introduce somebody new to canada with enough time ahead of them with enough runway to make an impression before the next election but you better believe i mean there's a there's a parallel here to the alberta ndp and what they're attempting to do right now You, you you better find somebody that has a formidable and strong enough presence to be able to make a bigger impact or a better impression than the incumbent, than the person that's there right now. The Alberta NDP is trying to figure out who's the next Rachel Notley without using the name Rachel Notley. Who's going to be the next person that will elevate the brand of that party? So who do the liberals have waiting in the wings that would be a dramatic improvement or a breath of fresh air that people might buy into that's not – Justin Trudeau. You can sit on that for a second and think about it. I, I can think of some people that would be capable leaders, but I don't think there's a star in waiting in that liberal cabinet, liberal caucus. Anyway, what Theo's talking about here. Uh, whether or not Canadians care about policy, whether, whether Canadians care about, you know, the real stuff, the, the actual you know legislation that politicians roll out, the, the the stuff that impacts your bottom line, the taxes you pay, the social programs that are in place, the way that governments respond to things like housing crises and inflation and uh, well, anyway, so here's how the Prime Minister said he's made up his mind on his own political future. Are you 100% convinced that you're going to lead this party into the next election?
3: The challenge of the next election is going to be- be definitional in terms of what kind of country we are, which direction we want to go in. Do we stay anchored in science? Do we stay anchored in building for the long term? Do we make sure we're protecting vulnerable people and give them opportunities to contribute? Or do we give in to the easy populism, anger, and division that is so running rampant in every society around the world? That question, that core choice about who we are as Canadians is so fundamentally important that i could not be the person i am and choose to step away from this fight right now when it is so important just because it's getting a little difficult or people are, are are you know wondering if 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 they're they're not tired of me or whatever you know what let's talk about the issues let's talk about the things that actually matter and let's deliver them for people and i like I like that conversation that needs to be had when the next election comes about the kind of country we're going to be. And yes, I will absolutely be part of it.
0: Now, I did hear from Don Braid. Appreciate Don, who's uh, one of my favorite political columnists in Alberta. Obviously, he's been doing it for a long time. Um, and Don and I had a quick phone call yesterday. Uh, I appreciate him uh, writing about our interview today in his column. I encourage you to read that in the Calgary Herald. And and Don said to me, he, sa- I, he said, I think the moment he said to me, he said, what do you think was the moment in the interview? And I said, I think the moment was when Trudeau said that the oil industry, that oil companies don't have oil sands workers backs. I mm-hmm. think when he said that Albertans are being fooled by right wing politicians, that was the moment. Don respectfully disagreed he said I th- he said well I think the moment was you got him on the record confirming he's gonna lead the liberals into the next election mm-hmm. but at the very end of that clip what does Trudeau say with politicians you know, you gotta you gotta focus on the nuanced details don't you Fio? don't you know? he said I absolutely will be part of it yeah and Don says what does part of it mean mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean the party leader I think it does I don't think you resign as party leader and stay on for the election uh, in some capacity. Uh, I think he's staying on into the next election. I feel like it feels
1: like it's his party. It's his choice at the moment. He's he's built this party from, you know, like a minivan of seats.
0: And he's never gone up against Pierre Polyev in an election. Yeah. Right. He's 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 beat. Stephen Harper in an election. He's beat the other two, uh, O'Toole and Scheer, but he's never beat Pierre Poliev in an election. And I feel like he wants to.
1: And look, I think, you know, all of what he said in your clip just now, I'm I'm sure that's true. I don't know the guy. I'm sure he really believes all of that. I'm sure
0: there's some bullshit, too. But he's a politician. There's got
1: to be at least a little bit of ego there, right? You know, sure. He visibly does not like Pierre Poliev right? Like a lot of liberals don't. And I think there's something like e- ego-based and guttural about wanting to stay in a fight like that. And, you know, we were talking a minute ago about getting in on the issues or the emotions. It, it When when people get into their minds that it's time for a change, a change of government, it's really, really hard to talk them out of it. So I have real difficulty as a political scientist seeing how the liberals stay on in the next election. The question. You know of whether Trudeau should stay or should he go how much would that improve their chances in the next election I don't know I think they're gonna get clobbered either way and there there might be some benefit to you know staying on at the helm and getting clobbered and taking that one on the chin for the team and then you know the party starting over after that
0: yeah
2: mm. i agree i I, th- I think back to we had an interview i think it was philippe Fournier. philippe fournier i love that guy uh he said from don't, 338 don't, he's Canada, like yeah. don't have I, I forget how he said it because he's a french guy but he put it in terms of basically like don't have any reservations if you're thinking that someone who is the prime minister, president, if you're a leader of a country, nobody wants to give up that seat. There's nobody who's in power who doesn't want to give up that seat. Even when Look at Joe the, Biden. the deck is stacked against him. they'll still go to the end and fight to the end. Best right?
1: job in the country. That's what, Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah,
0: 100%. Uh, Patricia says Justin Trudeau will wipe the floor with Pierre Polyev. I don't think so. I don't think he's wiping the floor with Pierre Polyev. Uh, but again... Patricia uh, what you would probably say to my face if we were both here uh, and I could thank you for watching and contributing to our YouTube live chat you would say well Justin there's still lots of time and you're right Uh, but it is a yeoman's task uh, to bring your party I mean this is a party that's projected again you'll say well polling what's worth polling but what's coming out right now is showing that the liberals are poised to lose like a hundred seats in the House of Commons which is big. But all it takes is one big scandal. All it takes is Pierre Polyev stepping in one. All it takes is people losing faith in the Conservatives' ability to put out meaningful policy. And, and for the Liberals to do a couple of smart things, inflation slows down a little bit. I mean, obviously this is a perfect storm for a, for Trudeau getting reelected. But but there's a lot of runway between now and 2025, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, more with Dr. Uh, you look like you were about to say something.
1: Well, I just, you know, given that it looks like Pierre's going to gonna come in and crush it. I really wish that over the next little while he sort of stepped away from the stuff about the mainstream media and he has already stepped away from the WEF stuff because you know sure people aren't necessarily in the mood to talk highbrow politics but the liberals have so many skeletons in the closet. They've they've there is so much to criticize them on. that He doesn't need to reach for that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, yesterday on, on the interview, one thing I wish you had gone harder on him for yeah. was the carve-out for Atlantic Canada, for the carbon tax, uh, you know, I that, did call it a debacle. You did. <laughs> I mean, to his face, too, which, which is saying something. Which is pretty
0: good for a beta cock. It's to true. call it a debacle, That was pretty good.
1: <laughs> for the left-wing Tucker
0: Carlson for the, as, uh, yeah. as the I don't know, the that, that, the, yeah, tweets that might actually would, be kind uh, of a compliment, but carry on.
1: Well, I, I just, you know, that's that's... A sort of thing that happened just recently that the liberals majorly screwed up major majorly screwed up and you know putting aside the policy of it you know we could get into that it just makes the country feel like they've been taken for a ride right like you come to alberta and you don't say anything about that or have some sort of plan it, it, it's rough yeah
0: yeah so, Glenna says, "I don't know a single person who has switched their allegiance to Pierre Polyev." Glenna, that's kind of the thing, though, is that he's bringing in new people. He's he, Polyev is is recruiting people that haven't been engaged in politics for a long time, and I think he's he's creating a new surge of interest uh, in the Conservative Party. Now, it it it's got a definitely a different vibe. Uh, Charles Adler and I disagreed on it uh, this week if you want to listen to our Tuesday episode um, Adler basically thinks that the conservatives would be seeing the same polling they are now if it was Aaron O'Toole leading them I don't think that's the case and you can hear Chuck and I get into it on Tuesday but but I understand what Glenn is saying Alberta girl says as a former conservative I've been on that roller coaster of high polling uh, two years out from an election and then losing uh, like the wild rose loss I mean Alberta girl I won't forget i'm sure you haven't either like 2012 it was like we were coronated i mean i was the host of breakfast television a tv show at that time i'm the guy who interviewed daniel smith the morning after the Alan Hunsberger blog post came out. That was the preacher that was running in South Edmonton, the Lake of Fire blog post. That's the only, she kept the interview with us. I've told the story before, so I won't bore you again, but we were doing this. We were calling it like breakfast with the candidates. And we were doing a series where every political leader in Alberta would come in and cook breakfast with me. It was kind of a way to see them behind the scenes. They would tell their family story. Here's why we're making, you know, like whatever strudel, or here's why we make omelets in our family. Learn a little bit about them personally, and then get into policy. Well, like Danielle Smith is holding this like she's trying to make croissants and she's holding this like flaccid dough in her hand while we're having a serious conversation about the link. of fire. Thank you for that adjective it was that like and this, and and this dough and, yeah. I just wanted her to put the dough it's not her fault but I wanted her to put the dough down because we're having and I know that this clip's going to run across the country which it did because her team cancelled all of her interviews right after hours and then the election that was like on a Monday morning the election was like on a Thursday if I remember correct so this was like days away and and, and I, I remember, like, it felt so ridiculous. She was like, I'm not going to tell our candidates what to think. I'm not going to force them to apologize. I said, I don't think that, that's, that Albertans are going to see that as an adequate response to this. But then she's holding this dough, and I felt like I wanted to, like, let her off the hook just so she could put the dough down. But how are you going to jump back and forth in an interview between talking about gays burning in a lake of fire and, like... What does the oven need to be at for the perfect croissant? Like and, and then back to the lake of fire. Like it's a tough dangerous interview to territory. do. It's very dangerous territory, <laughs> right? And I said I said anyway, I said we can press pause on this for a bit and 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 premier. Then just Danielle Smith, Wild Rose leader, says to me, this is in 2012. She goes, "No, I don't want to leave it." She goes, "I want to keep talking about this." I said, "Well, great. So let's put the dough down and keep going on it." But but like Alberta girl remembers and like I and everybody else remembers That was when you saw it. I could see it happening. It was when you saw that election start to slip through her fingers, and she had very good reason, Danielle Smith did, to believe at that point, 12 years ago, that she was going to be Premier of Alberta, and it did not happen. Boy, did it not happen. I mean, they got blown out. It was great news for Alison Redford at the time, who was not supposed to win that election.
1: Well, I mean, if you talk about political comebacks, right, we're talking about, we're, we're basically writing Trudeau's obituary right now, his political obituary. With um, apologies. With, yeah, I mean, he's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. And I, But that's, that's a great counterpoint, right? I mean, after the floor crossing, right, you know, everyone wrote Daniel Smith out. Everyone said, there's no way her political career is absolutely done comes back comes premier so I mean anything can happen in politics you're absolutely right anything could happen in the next year it just if, if I was a betting man uh, I'm putting my money somewhere else
0: if I was a betting man I I don't think I would touch Alberta politics right now because part of me thinks that Danielle Smith is going to be premier for as long as she wants to be and part of me is paying very close attention to a few other storylines including the Alberta NDP leadership I feel like there's a favorite within the party I feel like if that favorite wins the party's going to lose. I feel like there's an outsider, as she is perceived, in the party. Currently is sitting MLA. I'm being so mysterious right now and vague and coy. I think if the outsider wins, I think that she might be the next Premier of Alberta. So I'm paying very close attention to that. More with Dr. Fio Nagovsky hanging out with Johnny Infamous as well here on this Thursday episode. The morning after, the Prime Minister joined us in the Real Talk studio. And, and I wanted to put a few things on your radar. You're going to be hearing more about, uh, well, this is uh, Civic... Service Union, this is CSU 52. Have you been paying attention to this? A lot of people are expecting to see strike action. This union uh, is reaching out to you, asking you to reach out to your counselor. If you live in Alberta's capital city, the mayor as well, implore them to head back to the bargaining table. They're trying to avoid a work stoppage, number one, because they're like 911 operators and rec center staff and library staff and animal control. They also handle payroll for the city, IT pretty important employees, but more than 80% of them haven't seen their pay raised over the last number of years. Um, You know, I mean, this is our neighbors, our community members, they pay taxes too. And so they're looking to you uh, to help grab City Hall's attention. Uh, You can check out more at edmontonforeveryone.ca. This message is supported and sponsored by CSU52. Our friends at Apex Automation, this is such a good news announcement. We get to make this every single day, and I know the team at Apex is watching that interview with the Prime Minister yesterday. I don't think they'd mind me saying. They were among those that said he might not be our favorite, but we appreciated his availability in the Real Talk studio. The team at Apex is doing a ton of amazing work in Western Canada, uh, and they're looking to hire more engineers and so they can keep... Growing, automating things like pipelines, oil extraction facilities, natural gas processing facilities. They do a lot of work in Saskatchewan with potash mining, robotics, conveyor belts. They're working out at the ports on Canada's West Coast. They're looking to hire extraordinary people and help you, if you're an engineer, reach your true career potential. You can learn more by checking out the careers link. They're hiring today at Apex Automation. Ca. A shout-out to our friends at Complete Care Restoration. They're the ones that built this beautiful studio that had the eyes of Canada on it yesterday. To put this into perspective, this is a 110-year-old building with virtually no straight lines, but the installation they did for us, absolutely beautiful. They managed to soundproof a space that's built out of wood. I mean, this team thinks outside the box and delivers in ways that has basically earned our absolute uh, endorsement we give this team two thumbs up if disaster strikes or if you're just looking to get a renovation done consider the team at completecarerestoration.ca Hanging out with political scientist, uh, Dr. Fio Snagovsky, an assistant professor of poli-sci at the U of A. It's always interesting to hear political scientists talking. You guys always say this, you always go, I'm not a political strategist, but well, what's the difference for, for those of us plebs that might What's the difference uh, between a political strategist and a political scientist? You, you understand why things happen, but you don't like to look ahead and manifest those things happening. Is that the difference?
1: A political strategist is someone who works on campaigns. You know, advises candidates, says you should be door knocking here, here, and here. This is the exact message you want to be running to target this demographic. And I, quite frankly, don't care about any of it. it just it, <laughs> it strikes me as really boring. And you know, I, I'll listen to you know a podcast uh, with some some of those folks once in a while. But you know, as a political scientist, I'm much more interested in in the sort of the underlying structures of how people think and act. So my my political, my particular thing is political behavior. So it's to study of how people think and act I like it. in the political world. And I'm much more interested in the sort of underlying attitudes and beliefs people hold.
0: We'll get into some of your polling and some of your work in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about what, what Danielle Smith put out in front of Albertans, in front of Canadians yesterday. I wanted to note, I'm seeing a few uh, questions and inquiries pop up in our live chat, wondering about Pierre Poliev. All we can tell you is that you know we do have an ask-in, another ask-in with his team, and the door is open anytime. I'll literally cancel any interview uh, if Mr. Poliev makes himself available. I would love to chat with him. I think that it'd it, be great, and, yeah. and 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 the bar has been, the precedent has been set. A sitting prime minister gives us thirty five minutes. Yeah. I feel I feel like Pierre's got to give us half an hour at least. For
2: sure, we'll put a bowl of apples on the table. He can, he can do eat whatever as many as he wants. He he,
0: he, <laughs> he can be as much of an asshole to me as he wants. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and we'll lap it up yeah. uh, for your enjoyment, real talkers. Uh, Premier Daniel Smith, uh, you know the, the Alberta government buys airtime. Uh, it happens, you know, usually once a year. Gets everybody's attention. They do it right in the primetime supper hour when when people used to watch television. And uh, this is what she had to say basically they're going to top up the heritage savings trust fund you got to wait for that income tax cut that she promised and they're going to make some difficult decisions with the budget that'll be released at the end of this month here's here's a snippet of premier danielle smith
4: in my view our province has one last shot at getting this right we still have several decades during this global energy transition where nations will desperately need our oil and gas resources for their people and we will provide it to them with the most advanced environmental technology on earth So, despite this coming year's predicted global economic slowdown i believe our province is on the cusp of an unprecedented and prolonged energy resource boom one that will include both hundreds of billions in investment and tens of thousands of new jobs not only in oil and gas production but also in designing and building the most advanced emission reduction technologies on earth it is going to be an exciting time for our province and for canada especially once we finally get a federal government that acts like a strategic partner rather than a delusional adversary. Prior to the end of this year, our government will publicly release a long-term financial plan charting a path to a heritage fund of between 250 and $400 billion by the year 2050. 2050 is also our target for achieving a carbon-neutral economy. Meeting these two goals simultaneously with Alberta technology, determination, and ingenuity will leave an invaluable legacy for future generations of Albertans and Canadians. There is no doubt in my mind, we are capable of achieving these goals. But we need to start today and stick with it fervently, year after year.
2: Wow. That transition there from delusional adversary (laughs) right into we're going to hit net zero was... It was a little abrasive. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I appreciate the, the, the bomb, the, the the federal government acting as a delusional adversary. You, you sort of wonder, why why can't these two just get along? But it, it's just too darn good politically oh, it's uh, so for the government's help in and Saskatchewan yeah. to fight with the feds. I mean, what are they going to do, actually get along and get things done? Feel? let's not be crazy. Here.
1: Well, I mean, look, if Pierre Polyev gets in next year, you're going to see a real different relationship, I
0: think. Yeah, I least... bet. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, Mr. Polyev, uh, Premier Smith, don't speak at all. I've heard that there's really no relationship there between the two of them, um, and I'm not surprised. The, the federal conservatives don't need Alberta and Saskatchewan. They don't need. That's not where they need to gain votes. It's not where they need to gain favor. This is like the oldest and most played out conversation that we have on the show. But I'd be curious to see how that dynamic would change. The one thing that Polyev's gone on the record with, that's interesting, is is his his, his, his absolute intolerance for the idea of an Alberta pension plan. And you notice that there's been. No talk about an Alberta pension plan for months now out of the Alberta legislature. That's one of those things, as predicted on this show months ago, that will just eventually dissipate. It will evaporate into thin air and we'll forget we ever talked about it in the first place.
1: I am sur- I mean, I, I really get the feeling that the government didn't expect how unpopular this would be. I mean, they must have seen the polling ahead of time, but the public reaction to this idea was not good.
0: Well, uh, Alberta famously, and this is a story that's been kind of flying under the radar over the past while, but the Alberta government is, uh, you know, people are asking, uh, you know, the government to to basically release to Albertans what we, what we the people had to say uh, about this. But as, and I'll reference City News reporting on this, uh, just a couple of days ago, the province has denied uh, a media company's request for the pension survey data, um, and you know they're hoping it'll go away. So, the, so the, the Alberta government will not release, as Lauren Heinz's reporting shows, uh, the results of a survey conducted by the Alberta government or at least contracted out by the Alberta government about whether it should establish an Alberta pension plan. Postmedia asked for it uh, through a FOIP application uh, just days after the survey was completed, and uh, it was uh, recently informed, was Postmedia, that it would not be getting that requested information uh, because a section of the FOIP Act Uh, This is getting into the weeds a little bit, but it's interesting. Allows for exemptions or exclusions uh, based on advice, proposals, recommendations, analysis, or policy options. Isn't that convenient? That's the Super convenient. Wouldn't you think that if the uh, polling results were even remotely close to supportive of a plan for an APP that the government would be all over releasing those results? And, and, you know,
1: I, we're going to talk about polling later and we can talk about like methodology, but the, the methodology of that poll, it's not like it was an unbiased scientific poll that they put out really trying to get it was it was a lot of those questions were sort of push poly right? You know, they, they weren't. It wasn't a level playing field to begin with. And the fact that they aren't releasing the results of that is really sus, right? It yeah. really makes you question. We haven't had sus used on the show in a while.
0: <laughs> nice job, the young fellow over here. That's right. Theo, that's nicely done. I'm,
1: yeah. So the, the the address she gave yesterday was really good um, in, in terms of communication, in terms of presentation. She, she's a very skilled she's communicator. She's a very skilled communicator. Uh, my colleague Lisa Young at the University of Calgary runs a great sub stack. I love uh, Lisa's. Highly entertaining. She's called What Now, what, isn't it? Yeah, she, she put one out just like minutes before I stepped out here, uh, basically tearing. You can show this, Johnny. You know, the the fantasy math of of, of all of that. But um, her,
0: her, her headline is to the K car, Trevor, to the K car. Uh, she's suggesting that without a flux capacitor. Uh, Premier Daniel Smith's going to have a tough time uh, going back to the future to 1980s Edmonton with her fiscal announcement. Uh, you, you can subscribe to Dr. Young's Substack if you want to read more about it.
1: Yeah, and, and, and she sort of points out, and other people have pointed out as well, that the math doesn't really math on this plan.
0: Talking but, about getting the Heritage Savings Trust Fund up to 250 billion
1: dollars in the next 20 years. A lot of assumptions going into that. That, and, and you know, th- th- there's an element to which that announcement was sort of like, you can see that really optimistically and and well intentionedly, and really cynically. So starting really cynically and working our way out.
0: We prefer cynicism on this show.
1: Yeah. So, you know, starting cynically, a lot of public sector workers going into collective bargaining this year. This is a forecast of saying, look, we're tightening the belt. We have no more money to spend. We're going to be spending less than inflation. And, you know, it's too bad that you want more stuff, but we can't give it to you. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of the cynical political strategy of trying to forecast that ahead of time. Optimistically, it's kind of nice when politicians talk about the long term, right? We don't get that very often. A lot of the time, a lot of politics is thinking about the exact short term, next four years. Election cycles. Election cycles, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people are frustrated with politics, is that it is really short term. And, you know albertans haven't really had an honest conversation about what the next 30 years are going to look like right there are a lot of plans about what net zero might look like a lot of plans about what you know decarbonization or a reduce reducing uh, fiscal spending here would look like but in terms of the day-to-day of what people's lives might actually look like in the next 30 years with all of this economic uncertainty, I think there's a real hunger to have that conversation. And even if it is cynically motivated, it's sort of a nice step forward. Huh, um, there is one poll
0: that we can all trust. Um, there's no bias in this poll, everyone, uh, even though it is, do and don't show it yet, even though it is unofficial and unscientific. Oh, my favorite poll. We did conduct a very important poll uh, from my personal Twitter. Uh, Over the past 24 hours, I posted it just ahead of the Prime Minister's visit and and we had it wrap up just this morning at 730 this morning. Now, this poll ebbed and flowed. Don't show the results yet, Johnny. But we asked, who would you rather have a beer with? Because there's been some reporting. There's a Toronto Star opinion piece and op-ed this week that said, um, you know, Gen Z does not want to have beers with Justin Trudeau. And that was referencing. I had to do some digging. I said, did they actually poll people asking? They did not poll people asking about that. This is going back to a 2014 poll. That said that more Canadians, more young Canadians would rather have a beer with Justin Trudeau, you know, in 2014 than Stephen Harper. Well, duh. You know, no offense to Stephen Harper, but, you know, the guy shakes his hands, uh, shakes his son's hand dropping off at school. I think imagine having beers with Stephen Harper. I would. Um, But more Canadians wanted Justin Trudeau at the pub with them in 2014. So this follow-up opinion piece 10 years later says he's lost that love and feeling and Canadians don't want it anymore. So we put it out. Who would you rather have a beer with? Uh, Trudeau, Pierre Poliev, Jugmeet Singh, or Maxime Bernier, and it started strong in Trudeau's favor. It did, and we asked him about it on the show. It had like 1600, 1,800 votes, something like that. At that mm-hmm. point, it had been up for like an hour, an hour and a half. And um, and I said, you're, "I said you're doing all right in this, basically, despite the fact that your popularity is in the toilet and in the tank." And as I said to him, you know, prognosticators are expecting a bloodbath next election. I said about 65%
1: real softball opening. A real around. softball opening
0: from this beta <laughs> cock uh, and uh, and I said, but you know, 60% of respondents to our unofficial unscientific Twitter poll would like to have a beer with you and Trudeau I loved I love, actually didn't mind his answer. He said if I'm not listening to other polling I'm not listening to he said my buddies had some fun with this. The hockey boys had some fun with this. He called it my small little poll. Uh, one of my buddies shout out to Cole who wrote in and said did Trudeau just rip you for having a small little pole I said easy Cole so it starts off with Trudeau and then we see what happens on social media and and the yeah. right wing grabbed a hold of that poll and I Last saw night. people it has like how many retweets like let me just check here real quick it has uh, you know, like 600 and some retweets and so people were saying let's turn the tide let's turn this poll I saw people with blue check marks saying you know what to do and all of a sudden Pierre Poliev <laughs> surged ahead and more people wanted to have a beer with Pierre Poliev and I thought oh this is going to be great to chat about tomorrow on the show because what would a beer with Pierre poll have actually looked like it could be kind of fun um, he, he might get a little bit snarkier and snarkier the more beers he had uh, some people said you know I, I wonder who would pick up the tab um, and then something happened overnight and I woke up this morning to take the dogs out Johnny yeah. and I saw that we wound up with 26,670 votes on this unofficial unscientific Twitter poll that definitively states that 60% of Canadians would rather have a beer with Justin Trudeau. There it is. Compared to 30% that want to crush one with Pierre Polyev. Mad Max Bernier earns about 7.5% of the beer votes. I think it, having a beer with Max would be a hell of a thing. And and poor Checkmeet saying you couldn't even get 2% of this sample less than two percent of people wanted to have a beer with jug meat saying who i actually yeah. think would be a beauty to have a drink is that like.
2: is that maybe just because he's probably not a beer guy like i'm also thinking when i'm looking at this poll i'm like what kind of beer would you have like justin trudeau probably ipa guy right out the gate right he like he's going Some, for something artisanal something yeah crap. for sure he's yeah. like what's local and yeah. what is has blueberries in it anyways and then pierre like he's straight like You know, what's
0: on tap. Pierre's the guy that would tell you what he's not ordering. Like the (laughs) server comes and says, Mr. Polyev, can I get you a beer? And he goes, what do you have that's not Bud Light? And then the whole table erupts in laughter. So we know (laughs) what Pierre would not drink. I don't
2: don't think... I, I I just don't see him having a beer. I see him having like it like a like a gin and soda or something. You Pure, know what I mean? yeah. yeah.
0: Well, he's he's doing the new. I mean, imagery. I mean, he's, yeah. Tr- he's trimming Sing. down. Sing tequila soda. Oh, you're saying Jugmeat Singh yeah. would be the like, gin and soda s- guy. Maybe
2: that's why the poll was like I wouldn't want to have a beer with him because you just can't see the guy drinking a beer.
0: I, I can see Jugmeat just- Singh drinking like a fine wine, but hoping yeah, that, he's but a- hoping that nobody gets a photo of it. <laughs> You know the poor guy, like he, you know, he stands up for the poor and downtrodden, but then he rolls out with like a a Rolex or or a Versace bag and just gets ripped from here to kingdom come. I, so I wish
1: you had repeated the poll instead of a beer. Be who would you rather have a Thanksgiving dinner? You know, who would you rather have Ooh. for two hours?
2: Yeah, just a sit down.
1: Just a sit down, and and you and you have someone like Max Bernier, who reminds you of the uncle you had, you know, last last Thanksgiving dinner, and, and you know it's sort of a different connotation if you know what I'm saying
0: I do know what you're saying Uh, Jennifer L uh, who's been on the show before conservative out of Saskatchewan um, she actually checked in with us. She was at the uh, what was it? The conservative uh, federal AGM, I think, when she last joined us on the show. Jennifer says, I don't drink beer, but I'd love to pick any of their brains for a solid hour. See, that's my kind of answer. Um, a lot of you were critical that I didn't name myself as an option to have a beer with. I apologize. All you got to do is run into us on the concourse of the hockey that's game. and easy. I was yeah, just going to say. We have? Did we have three <laughs> government ministers in here last night having beers, I think? Come
2: by the box of the Oilers game last
0: night. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, Andrew, uh, who chimed in and says, like, like you have seen many politicians come and go, some I like and respect better than others. Uh, he said, but I would love to get together with you, Jespo, crush a beer. Sure. Ken said, I like Ken's answer here. As a matter of fact, I replied to Ken. Um, I, I was popping in on my Twitter mentions a little bit yesterday, but I kept getting slapped in the face with the beta cock thing, so I was spending time with my family instead. Again, um, is
1: that really the visual you want, Ryan? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Thanks. Johnny's going to pull all these little clips and turn them into a ringtone that you can download on our website. Uh, Ken says all of them. I'd have a beer with all of them, one at a time, one beer only. He said not to grill any of them, although I would be willing to fire up my grill, throw some steaks on for any of them. I like the way Ken rolls. He says, I'd like to just sit down and talk about anything. See the country from their perspective. Ken is my kind of guy, and I think that that's what this audience is all about, hearing people out. What's your vision for the country? Um, When we come back in just a quick second, don't go anywhere. uh, Why don't we actually talk about what you're actually here to talk about, Theo? Uh, You've done some polling uh, with uh, your team, uh, your colleagues at the University of Alberta in political science, and and we're going to get into some of the results on on how Daniel Smith's uh, policies in particular the announcement on, on sex ed on trans women in sport right and and pronouns is the big one you're you're looking at how that's landing with people we had an unofficial unscientific Twitter poll that showed you know, 65, 70% of people are okay with it. Um, but we'll see what your polling tells us. That from Fio Stagowski in just a quick second. First, I wanted to remind you that our friends at and Brothers, through the month of February, are recognizing Heart Month. And that means that at all 16 of their locations, uh, they're doing an unbelievable job raising funds for the University Hospital Foundation. In particular, that place that we know and love, we call it the Maz. That's the Mazenkowski Alberta Heart Institute all Friesen brothers served communities 16 of them uh, have great opportunities to pursue healthy eating habits you can learn more on their website go to friesen.com that's f-r-e-s-o-n you can learn more about heart month at friesen brothers you know they've got all kinds of heart healthy choices that are clearly marked in store with a heart month icon you can also just check out their flyer online that's friesen.com heart month If you're thinking of improving your outdoor space, maybe it's a total overhaul. You've dreamed of putting that water feature into the front yard, or maybe you've dreamed of having the family over. Get your adult kids back into the yard with your outdoor kitchen. Everybody loves that new backyard pizza oven. It seems like every neighborhood's got to have at least one. Nobody does it better than Eden Landscaping, and you have an advantage if you get in touch with them right now. Obviously, the consult's free. You can book it online at landscapeedmonton.ca, but you'll get early in the queue, so as soon as they're teams are putting shovels in the ground this spring your project's going to be first, which means you're going to be done first, which means you're going to be the hottest party on the block when you bring your outdoor space to life, working with Eden Landscaping. Again, that's landscapeedmonton.ca. Another hiring announcement, we love these ones, from our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy, and they're looking for new team members, looking to set up great options, whether you want to move out to BC, they've got a great spot in Kamloops, they've got offices, beautiful new offices in Calgary and Edmonton as well. Check out the career link at kubienergy.ca. They're looking for dedicated professionals to join their dynamic team. Whether you're an apprentice electrician, a seasoned journey person, whatever it is, Kubi's growing and it's growing fast. They're also opening up a shop in Lethbridge. Shout out to Lethbridge. They need your help to bring solar savings to communities across Western Canada. If you're a sales rep, if you're an experienced administer, uh, administration staff in your business, but you'd love to go green with Kubi Energy, check out the careers link today. Again, that's Kubi Energy. And a big shout out from our friends at California Closets. So cool to see this team at work. My wife and I, Carrie, had some priorities. This was like 10 years ago. We decided we needed to get organized for good. But here's the thing. Our closets, the design of those closets just didn't allow for it. So we sat down with their design professionals. We told them right out of the gates what our budget was. And the magic that they worked is I mean, I'll tell you, we're still enjoying it present day. Uh, the, the improvement it made to our space, to our peace of mind, getting us on track from an organization standpoint, we are forever grateful. And it cost less than we thought it would. You can read more customer testimonials and check out examples of what California Closets does by visiting them online. Request a free consultation at californiaclosets.ca. Hanging out. I love shows like this, man. Theo, to be honest with you, Johnny, do you love the shows that just kind of breathe and they're casual and we have time to, to read audience I feedback? And I hate shows like this. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the story. Speaking of Pierre Polyev, by the way, I, I, I won't put you on the spot with this one, Theo, unless you want to go here. D- did you see that Pierre Polyev has, has proposed... Um, ID. Yeah, I saw this, the porn yeah, thing. Yeah, p- porn's going to change for, for, mm-hmm. for those of you shady guys that are Which hiding is... out in, in your garden shed to watch porn while your family thinks you're out changing the garbages and mowing the lawn. Yeah, uh, Pierre Polyev figures that uh, they should ask big <laughs> porn sites like Pornhub, uh, one of the biggest websites in the world, by the way, uh, out of, did you know that Pornhub has, like it's, it's it, an Alberta this. business success story. <laughs> I, always uh, say, I know everybody I always gets say... <laughs> awkward talking about porn.
2: Yeah, I always say this is the thing, like, you can talk about porn but don't ever talk about tastes or content or what's on your phone just you, keep it to like we all we all go there sometimes you can, but I, you can I,
0: talk I, about <laughs> porn but you never want to talk about it like specifics. you never want to sound like you know too much like what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. you never want to you be know, too like a, you don't want to use slang
2: but uh, I read about this and it's just it's crazy to me that they're proposing this because I thought they're all against digital IDs and stuff like that and and that's one of the things they want to propose as well as face rent like yeah reading people's faces that's what everybody is, wants
0: when they're when they're like on their porn sites is, is for facial recognition <laughs> yes. and, and ID verification I thought it was just yeah no so they, they, they figured that this will prevent minors from accessing the content so good for Pierre Poliev on that and I don't want to joke around about that but but basically said he supports a conservative government would require porn websites uh, to demand ID to verify the age of users. Uh, so this is the Tories are sponsoring. This is a Senate private members bill that requires age verification for people to access pornography online. Definitely the number one issue impacting Canadians. Um, so this this one feels like a loser politically to me. This one feels like this is, you know, you're always have people that will like go to the wall. They'll run through walls for pure polio, but you start mus- messing with their porn. Uh, it just feels like a bad idea.
2: It's a little strange, but I already saw people
0: who agree with Pierre, you know, being like, "Well, you need ID to
2: buy liquor, so why not?"
0: And it's like, this is this is way different. Think of what you're. Those are people that don't go on porn websites. Well, what's what could possibly go wrong? What's what what's wrong with your 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 webcam scanning your face while you're getting off on Pornhub? Well, I can think of a lot of things. It's a
1: weird strategic choice for him because on the one hand, he's got the you know the traditional family values crowd that he's probably trying to. They'll love this. They'll love that. But then you, you got the big government privacy that Johnny was just talking about. You know, yeah. they're going to go completely nuts about this. Yeah, right?
0: it's, I mean. it's a bad policy. It's a bad policy. It's a bad idea. That that's my thought on it. But but enough talk about porn, Fio. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about the other work that you're actually, doing online. This no, is I'm actually how Ryan books his guests. He's yeah. like, "We're going to come on and talk about porn. I'm like, I
0: don't know what we're going to get into, Theo. We might talk about the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. We might talk about porn. I don't know. Just be ready to Coin go. Flip. Just be ready to go. Um, we want to talk about a couple of different things that you and your team have been doing uh, at Common Ground. We've heard Dr. Jared Wesley on this show before, a wonderful friend of the show, a political scientist out of the U of A. Um, and you guys basically, you do research, you do polling, you do political analysis, uh, kind of sometimes deeper dives which is great value we're going to link to your findings in the show notes here so people can check it out for themselves and really get into it but before we get into what albertans think about pronouns and gender affirming care i thought based on the interview yesterday with with the prime minister we might get into some work that you've done on on polarization and conspiracy theories can you take us into this
1: yeah i mean it was interesting it came up a little bit and it's something that trudeau has talked about in the past um but there's this myth about political polarization in Alberta and in Canada as well that you know as political scientists we like to think about two different kinds of polarization one is ideological polarization that's what people think and one is affective polarization which is what people feel and the myth of ideological polarization is that actually Albertans aren't ideologically polarized you see loud voices you know on different social media or you see in other conversations but for the most part, you've put this graph up here, they're pretty centrist, slightly center-right. For people that are listening on the yeah.
0: podcast, can you just describe what we're yeah. seeing right here? What does this show? This is
1: this is, this is this is like what we call a bell curve, right? It's a real nice bell curve of where people place themselves on the left-right spectrum. So it's what you'd expect. You, most people are smack dab in the middle. They're sort of average, right? You know, Here you would say, are you far left? Are you far right? Somewhere zero to 10 in between. And most people put themselves like five, Slightly right of center, five point five. That's kind of the average. But when we, when it comes to polarization, this is something actually we disagree w- on. The lab in, in common ground we disagree with is affect of polarization. How people feel. There is something there, right? People actually do feel like they can't get along. So you know, you, you have conservatives and new democrats thinking and feeling about the other in a way that you know is they don't really trust them that much. Maybe they don't like them that much. Yeah. So, you know, among, among, for example, United conservative supporters, 13% thereabouts really distrust NDP supporters. Um, it's pretty similar for new Democrats. 17% of new Democrats uh, don't like UCP supporters. and Like
0: feel strongly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they just, they did, they distrust them a lot. They dislike them a great deal. and, you know, this sort of extends further on, you know, we we ask people something called social distance, you know, how close a relationship would you be willing to have with someone, right?
0: Interesting. And Like, if you're a UCP supporter, would you date a new Democrat? Yeah, absolutely. If your neighbor voted for Rachel Notley, you voted for Danielle Smith, would you have them over for a barbecue? That kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you're, you have like 12, 13% of Albertans saying that they would not even want to be in the same country as the other side. Jeez. Right? Like, that's the level of animosity. And about a third of them are not willing to even have them as their next door neighbors. Jeez. Like, so when when you think about it that way, there is something there, right? Like, it's, it's not just that... It's this perception of people not getting along. People actually start to feel that. And a lot of that comes down from political elites, from the leaders. So, you know, Justin Trudeau was talking about this yesterday of how he wants to bridge divides. And, you know, some of that I, I'm sure is genuine. He has been responsible for some of that on his side. 100%. 100%. Um, but, you know, people like Pierre Polyev do it all the time. People like, you know, um, like the premier do it all the time. And, They all do it, Theo, if we're being honest, right? Yeah, and it's sort of one of the the symptoms of an era where people feel emotional and if they think about politics through big feelings, they develop big feelings about the other side. And as people, we look to our leaders, leaders of political parties, leaders of government, in thinking about what to do and what to think. And when our leaders tell us that the other side is evil, that they're— you know, fooling Albertans or when they're, you know, when you frame politics as a struggle between good and evil, people start to think of politics as a struggle between good and evil. And then your opponents aren't just the other side for which you should debate political issues. They become an enemy which needs to be defeated at all costs. Yeah. Which... You know comes with lots of problems on its own
0: okay so we've so we've set the table now uh for this new research that's out you've published it just this month uh again at seaground.substack.com we'll link to it in the show notes so you can go directly to it uh some polling on what albertans think about pronouns and gender affirming care this is uh, i think uh, an important and timely conversation what we have been led to believe at this point including from this audience um is that there are people that believe that this is, a, you know, the policy that's been rolled out, announced by Premier Smith, um, somewhat similar, goes even further to what was rolled out by Premier Moe in Saskatchewan, Premier Higgs before them in New Brunswick, um, is harmful. I mean, if you, if, if you listen to the harshest and loudest critics on this, uh, they say that this is going to kill kids. Um, if you look to the, the opponents of the criticism, if you look to the supporters of the policy, uh, they're talking about parents' rights. They're talking about defending the rights of the parents. And across the board... I get the impression that the average person is kind of okay with some of the conversation around parents' rights. They do believe parents need to play a role in their kid's upbringing, obviously, but they also want to be empathetic and seek to understand lives and perspectives and experiences different than their own. And so I get the sense that a lot of people are kind of in the middle, willing to have this conversation. They haven't quite yet made up their mind on how they feel about this. It doesn't just feel like two camps what did your polling? What did your research tell you?
1: I think that's a good point, Ryan, because a lot of people still haven't made up their minds and this is one of those issues that's really complicated. You know, it's got a lot of dimensions. Not a lot of people know someone who has had to make a choice like this, and I think that affects how much people can relate to that. We d- we did some polling, you know, last year, about 6 months ago and uh Leger has put out some new polling you know just just a few days ago. yeah, we used Leger actually for our poll, so it's pretty good, reputable in, firm, pretty good, yeah, and you know it sort of um gives you a sense between the two of them where people are and I think when we did our survey, about twenty percent of people hadn't made up their mind. they just didn't know what was going on. Leger did theirs they're saying it's about eleven now we get sort of
0: eleven percent one in ten people doesn't really know what's happening with this.
1: And I I think, you know, we could sort of talk about methodology if you want later to get into the weeds, but I think the real number is somewhere between the two. Somewhere between 10 and 20% of people are still not sure. But that doesn't mean, and I mean like genuinely unsure. They just don't know. Um, That doesn't mean the other opinions are set in stone. I think people have gut reactions on some of this. They have visceral reactions, but can still be open to persuasion, can still be open to putting their minds in the shoes of someone who has to make a decision like this whether it's a child or a parent know, what that must be like for them and whether it's the business of the state to be telling them that they can't do what their you know doctor suggests or what their parents are you know supportive of
0: so at the end of the day what did your polling, and we can put this screen up here so people on YouTube can see it. We'll run through it here. Um, you talked about, or, or you, you sought out uh, public opinion on pronoun disclosure. Um, this is obviously for, for students. Basically, you know, there's ages, some of the stuff age under age 18, some of it under age 16. But basically, um, if you're a, a high school, junior, higher, elementary student, Uh, in Alberta under Danielle Smith's plan uh, and you elect to uh, change your name or the pronouns that you're using, your pronouns at school, uh, parents will be notified. And if teachers do not or administrators do not notify parents, uh, there would be consequences. And we don't know exactly yet what that would look like. The other is Alberta limiting access to hormone therapy and to surgeries, which, as we have come to understand, Um, are not really a thing hormone therapy more than surgeries but our understanding is we heard the numbers I think it was 22 top surgeries involving minors in the province of Alberta last year and that includes breast reductions uh, not related uh, to gender identity or any part of this conversation So, so we're talking about what you might describe I don't mean this to be dismissive nor offensive but a relatively niche issue but it's obviously something that's captured people's attention you sought out public opinion on both of these let's start with pronoun disclosure what is the average person feel uh, when it comes to a duty to respect a child's privacy versus a duty to inform
1: parents? I- is it an even split? It's close. You know, so you have about 35 percent of people saying that parent, that schools should have a duty to respect a child's privacy compared to 44 percent saying that they have a duty to disclose that. And you were saying that, you know, it's sort of a niche issue. And to some extent, you know, it, it's an issue that doesn't touch for the vast majority of people. They're, they're not going to have to make this decision themselves, but for the people that do have to make this decision, it matters a great deal. It matters a lot. Yes. So for the people that it does affect, it affects them a lot, and it has consequences like outing students to their parents if they're not ready to make that decision. In terms of you know hormone therapy and surgery, more sort of um, intervention on aligning your gender, right, uh, your presentation and your body with how you identify. Yes. You have about it's a real minority view that children should be able to do this unilaterally you know it's only about 10% of people think that children should 12 to 17 be able to do that on their own everyone else you know is sort of on in the middle of that issue so you have about 37% thinking that you should have access with parental support and only about 33% saying that you shouldn't have access at all that the state should prevent you from doing that so when you when you sum all that up that's a lot of numbers when you summarize all of that up only a third of albertans think that the government should be doing what they're doing and banning this outright okay right you know in terms of that's according to our data from about six months ago leisure you're saying that you know it's closer to you know four in ten we're saying you know three one third they're saying four in ten people say that Uh, The government should ban this outright in any case. It's less than half like less than a majority of Albertans think that the government has any business Preventing parents and children from making these kinds of decisions.
0: It'd be curious to see uh, I'd be interested to see what the Venn diagram might look like Let me just say what the overlap might look like between people who support the idea of a government banning access to hormone therapy and surgeries Who also support an individual? being able to say no to things like vaccine mandates, the whole my body, my choice thing, stay out of my body, my body is my business, right? If you support uh, an individual's uh, right to say no to a vaccine, to say no to mask mandates, to protect the integrity of their own body against the intrusion of the state, do you not have to condemn a government's initiative to interfere with someone's medical treatment or medical attention with their parents' consent and support?
1: I mean, the other parallel is abortion, right? You know, when you, when you have the state interfering with the ability of someone to make decisions over their own body, there's definitely inconsistencies, right? And some other, some other like breakdowns that we've done show that a lot of these attitudes depend on things like how religious you are, so your religious beliefs, on pronouns among people who often or always turn to religion to deal with the you know, problems in their personal life. Two-thirds think that the government, the school should have a duty to inform parents. And when it comes to uh, you know, gender-affirming care, it's 55%. So we know that the most religious people also have this attitude of, you know, this, the government should prevent what they perceive to be harms and they should inform parents and sort of that parental rights feeling. Yeah, And then... You have probably the same group saying that things like abortion should be restricted, the same group saying things that, you know, uh, about vaccines. So you know, in terms of that Venn diagram, some of the cross-cutting cleavages are religiosity, could be cultural background. Uh, Party affiliation is a huge one. We see that in both the recent Leger poll and our poll, that people take cues from their political leaders. Obviously. But you know, it's worth repeating, because we often like to think of ourselves, well, no one's paying attention to politics. That's really common, right? It's a really common thing people say. No one's listening to these people. No one's paying attention to what they're saying. Actually, people are definitely paying attention to what they're saying.
0: This audience is paying attention. This attention
1: for sure. But it means that what politicians say matters. You know their words really have consequences and you know when we did this six months ago the political parties hadn't taken robust stances on this people could sort of infer what they might say maybe not because danielle smith has changed her mind about this ostensibly right she was saying before that you know the government didn't have any business doing this now obviously she's saying something different so you know the, the party positions were a bit murkier six months ago whereas now they're much clearer and you see that Opinion coalescing along party lines,
0: huh? Jordan says the prairie Taliban strikes again (laughs) Bunny slippers is convinced that they're coming for birth control next Uh, birth control access to minors That'd be a whole can of worms. Uh, That'd be really interesting to see I wouldn't I mean you know when 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 you're talking about The alleged influence of special interest groups on this government uh, in particular I'm talking about David Parker and take back Alberta. I wouldn't rule anything out But I also think that Danielle Smith is smart enough to understand that she's going to take her shots when she thinks it's time to take them and will understand where to draw the line before putting her own political career at risk. And I do feel like there are lines that are too far to cross. Uh, The timing of her announcement is interesting, right? Like like she's made the announcement. It's on the books. The critics have had their say. They haven't legislated any of it yet, but they will. Uh, And of course, that will kick up debate in the legislature. And obviously, we'll talk about it here on the show But the announcement's out, and then comes the budget, and then comes an entire myriad of other distractions that'll take this off people's radar for the most part, right? And for a politician, that's valuable. People's memories are short when it comes to politics. And you look at what politicians are often criticized for, uh, you know, I mean, yesterday we heard it from Trudeau, someone said to me, why didn't you ask him about blackface? What? Like in 2024, I got you know, in my mind, 15 minutes so that I can ask him about blackface but it just goes to show for some people the criticism will stick but whether or not the punches land is an entirely different story so how damaging do you see this being for Danielle Smith because as far as I can tell it hasn't damaged her political popularity one bit the people that are loudly critical of this move are people that can't stand her in the first
1: place I think that's true I mean she was never gonna gain votes from the Left uh, in the interim, not even uh, going to try. No, I mean, and, and the the NDP leadership race, obviously, uh, taking place right now. I think if her goal was to wedge the NDP along this issue, uh, it hasn't worked because the NDP is pretty uniformly on, you know, the side of kids and parents on this one. But you, if if you think about the trajectory of an electoral cycle, you know, this bit in between elections, she's got to worry about two things. She's got to worry about the general election coming up at the end of that cycle. But in between, she's got leadership reviews and she's got internal party support. And, you know, you've said that, I think earlier in this conversation, you said that she'll be facing the next election. You know, who knows, right? I don't think that the next
0: election is on her radar one bit.
1: Well, I I think the... Period in between is much more salient for her right now because she's got to fend off attacks from the people who claim to have taken down Jason Kenney. Yeah. And if you have uh, you know uh, the the base of the UCP, there's, I'm not saying this is the entire base of the UCP, but there's definitely a religious conservative base of the UCP. And this is going to shore up that base pretty well. And I yeah. think you know, a couple of years from now, they will remember this, right? This might well tie them over for a couple of years speaking. Totally cynically, from a politics perspective, like putting aside the fact what I, what I frankly think is a pretty destructive policy, but internal politics probably makes sense for her.
0: Yeah. You, you say the people that claim to have taken down Jason Kenny, as, as far as I can tell, they did. Uh, as much as I hate to give credit to, to that crew, uh, you think that there was another reason that, I mean, I was, I was reading back just a while ago and Kenny prognosticating and forecasting his own demise. And basically, the words he had for that crew is just, uh, you know, it was unsparingly critical of that faction of the United Conservative Party. Maybe, maybe to his own peril, maybe he underestimated them. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall. I don't know. Um, but you sound like you're not convinced that that's what led to his demise. I mean, if I'm, not that, what was it? I mean, the fact he wouldn't listen to anybody, wouldn't take advice from anybody. That's the Kenny brand. And yeah. ultimately, it bit him in the ass.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying TBA didn't have a role. And. I think, frankly, if we're being honest with ourselves, we just don't know. Uh. It's totally in the interest of a group like that to claim to have lots of power, sure. to claim that they did that. But I think, without the influence of COVID, you know, if if we didn't have in an alternative universe where the pandemic never happened, I think Kenny would have stayed on. Right? I don't think there would have been the same kind of push. I don't think TBA would have had the ammunition. You know, when you have a premier who has to bring together two different parties, right? You have the PC and the Wild Rose, really different kind of people. Very be- different. Be- be- belonged to each of them. And you had being split on vaccine mandates, right? Yeah. On mandatory vaccinations, on, you know, on mask restrictions, stuff like that. And we can talk about conspiracy theories if you want.
0: Arresting pastors. Totally. I and mean, it got really hot button.
1: Without that kind of stuff, I don't think Take Back Alberta would have had much of a leg to stand on. I don't think they would have had the same kind of opportunity to get rid of him. So, sure, I mean they probably may played a big role in mobilizing, lead, you know, opinion against him in the party, but it was a perfect storm that they were managed to take advantage of, which you know the, the implications of that are that it's not like they have this power sitting around in a box somewhere that they can take out any time. It really was the perfect confluence of factors that led to his ouster. And sure, they were able to spearhead that, but it does mean that in terms of repeatability, in terms of them being able to do it again, it has to be the same sort of confluence of factors, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd be curious to see, when you've got the Take Back Alberta movement, I'd I'd, I'd be curious to see a Take Back conservatism movement uh, full of reasonable, normal, Marthas, Henrys, and other new Albertans that don't get the reference, that say we're not going to let the inmates run the asylum. Am I allowed to say that anymore in 2024? Um, That say we're not going to allow our party to be shaped like this. We're not going to allow this to be that conservative option. We'll see. I thought Jason Kenney was going to be premier for 10 years. Um, I'm glad he's not because it's nice to be able to interview a premier again. Um, Let me ask you this in closing. Curious to pick your brain on how the NDP needs to manage this based on your polling, based on your understanding of it. A person, a friend of mine that's a pretty smart person, and I trust her gut instinct, says that she's Pretty certain that these leadership candidates, uh, uh, Racky Pencholi, uh, Kathleen Ganley, Sarah Hoffman, uh, to this point, uh, need to play this carefully because they could be lured into a trap where they come across as the kind of foaming at the mouth. Lunatics, the the, 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 the hysterical lighting their hair on fire critics uh, that don't recognize the role that parents need to have in the upbringing of their kids, that come across as though they believe that the nanny state should be calling all the shots, that teachers can keep secrets from kids, and it could really harm that party. Does the NDP and whoever ends up leading it need to be careful about how it responds to this, or is this a five-alarm fire that requires every single hose and hydrant that they can find?
1: I mean, again, putting on my fake political strategist hat. Come like on, you know seconds, what you're talking
0: about, Theo. It, it
1: the one of the problems the NDP has had is that they've treated everything like a five-alarm fire for yep. the last, you know, decade or however long. And w- w- it makes sense when you're in opposition, you know, to to sort of rail and criticize the government, and they they're they're doing that. That's a good thing. But in terms of how it affects the internal race, it's not going to be a cleavage issue, and it's for sure going to drive a lot of people to the party. You know, a lot of people who think that this is a destructive uh, move are going to buy memberships, are going to vote, are going to maybe donate money to the party. So for them, actually, it's probably a good thing. And quite frankly, the UCP is going to portray them as a bunch of, you know, crazy people who are going to light their hairs on fire no matter what. Who don't
0: believe in the role that parents play in the home.
1: And that's the message they're going to run with no matter what. I don't think the NDP can really stop that. So if it's going to happen anyway, they might as well pound the point and you know get people who disagree with that party on board. Fio,
0: I have so enjoyed this. Uh, thanks for coming in to hang out with us. We didn't plan to just have you in here for an hour, but we love. Uh, Glenna was just writing in on our chat. She says this is so interesting. We love shows like this that that, that we just can kind of settle into a conversation. Um, Johnny, uh, we promised we would. Yeah, we, we covered. Today, I shut up here. And yeah, just we covered. For uh, like... we, we covered beer. Porn <laughs> and abortion. Yeah. Uh, they said it couldn't be done.
1: So do I get my socks on the way out or do you?
0: Yeah, well, the, the, the thing about the socks is that you can't ask for them. <laughs> they just have to be presented. Ouch. Um, but Theo. Wow. We will like, send you on your you, way. Night, we will, we, we will nighting,
1: s- nighting someone with socks? It's is, is like, the... like
0: nighting someone with socks. I mean, I mean the freaking Prime Minister sat in that chair yesterday and received his socks, and here you are 24 hours later asking for your pair.
1: Excuse me, I did not ask for the you, pair. You know
0: what we're doing. It was very presumptive of you. It, just... it, it was. It was, but the good news is we do have a pair with your oh. name on it. If you at home want to get your hands on Real Talk socks, you cannot buy these. They cannot be purchased. You've either got to sit here... And and talk about beer and and porn wisdom and talk about beer and porn and abortion and parents rights for for an hour. Uh, in which case, we will hook you up with socks or you can support Real Talk on Patreon by going to RyanJesperson.com. Click on the Connect link and, and follow there and find out more about the benefits of supporting the show on a monthly basis. Theo, seriously, man, a, a really great morning. Thanks for doing the show. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Before we go, I wanted to tell you, if you're a small business owner, this is not an advertisement. This is not a catch. I'm not asking you to to give anybody any money. As a matter of fact, this is an opportunity for you to grow the digital presence of your business for free. So tell your friends about this. Pay attention to this. This is the Digital Economy Program out of the University of Alberta. Check out yourdep.ca This is uh, designed and it's, it's government funded. You don't have to put it forward a single dollar uh, to help you build the online presence of your small business uh, in the metro Edmonton region surrounding areas. Let's call it central and northern Alberta. If you are a registered business in Alberta and you have fewer than 50 employees so 49 or fewer, uh, you can bring on business students from the U of A that work as consultants. They're going to help you boost your digital literacy uh, to help you set up like Google profiles, whether you need a Shopify or an Etsy e-commerce website. Maybe you need to learn more about like Facebook ads. You don't know what the hell you're doing, but you do know that they would help your business. This is funded by the government of Alberta in partnership with Business Link, Digital Main Street and the U of A. Uh, it runs through till October of this year, but you're going to want to get it started now. Obviously, you want to give these business students enough time to work their magic and ramp up up your business's digital footprint you can make a real impression here by signing up at your dep.ca there is no catch there is no cost real talk did it uh, and we've seen the benefits. Our YouTube subscribers were up. Our SEO scores are better. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. Johnny's super smart, but me, I'm kind of more of like a uh, run and gun guy. Super smart. And they uh, they gave us they gave no. us like a whole, they give you like a big report. They analyze your business. They tell us what was great about our website, which is most of it, and what sucks on our website, which was just a tiny few little improvements that we made, all because we signed up for the Digital Economy Program. You and your small business can do the exact same thing. Again, that's at your... D-E-P dot C-A. So friends, as we wrap this show, I just wanted to remind you again, this show is all about you. It's about your feedback, your questions, your responses to what you're hearing here. Without engagement, we are nothing. So send us your emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Tell your friends about what's going on here. Share our episodes. And thanks again for subscribing on YouTube. Coming up on Friday's show, a Real Talk Roundtable on houselessness with the Chancellor of the University of Alberta, Tim Richter from the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness and more. We thank you for joining us today. We hope to see you tomorrow.
2: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources Lena Shepherd. Website Design Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.